Welcome to the Maximus Podcast with your hosts, Joe Sabula and Bobby Maximus. We're sponsored by Lalo Tactical, L-A-L-O.com. You can go to Maximus 50 for a big discount on the very best athletic shoes that money can buy. We're also sponsored by 10,000. It's 10,000 clothing. 10,000.cc is the website. Use the code Max, uh, Maximus 15 for a discount. Super excited uh, to have a close personal friend of the show on today. A uh, person that uh, both Joe and I look up to in many, many regards. Uh, not only one of the most notable trainers in the world, but one of the best trainers in the world, Don Saladino. Don, how are you? Guys, man, I got tears in my eyes right now from that intro. <laughs> Yo, hey, listen. Y'all. Oh, and then right back at you, uh, right back at you both. So thank you. You know, not many people can say they've trained Ryan Reynolds, the Deadpool, and um, Hugh Jackman, the Wolverine. You, no, no, you know, that's pretty cool. That's, that's big. Um, and Thanos, you basically got the three <laughs> powerful beings in, in, in the universe. Um, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. One thing I specifically want to get to is how you're responding to the media situation surrounding COVID, like how you're converting your business. And the reason I specifically want to ask you about that is at the NSCA conference, I want to say it was a year or two years ago in Toronto. Yeah, probably two years ago. Yeah. You gave a brilliant speech on how to manage social media and it's helped me immensely. So I feel like of anybody, you're going to be on the forefront of, of, of how to pivot a business. But before we get into that, can you give us a little bit about your background, how you got into training and how you got to be the guy you are now? Yeah, cool. Well, first off, thanks again for having me on. I mean, this is, uh, I love watching you both on social media, Bobby. I mean, you and I became friends a few years ago and it was fun meeting you at the NSCA. So it's been good to watch that whole evolution going on in your life. Um, you know, uh, but pretty much my career started back in 99. You know, I graduated college. I was playing baseball. thought I was going to go on to play at a higher level and I didn't make a long story short. Went off, got a job at a big box training facility, worked there for a year, and then started my own training business back in 2000. And by 2005, I was fortunate enough to raise like 5 million bucks to go open this state-of-the-art golf training facility, golf and fitness training facility. My, my brother was a professional golfer and I, you know, I was a strength coach already for about five or six years. So, you know, fast forwarding from that, you know, went on to deal with the economic shit show that we went through back in 07, 08 with Lehman Brothers and Bear Stearns. Um, launched an app company with Dwayne Wade, Adrian Peterson, and Ernie Els. Uh, did really well with that and then kind of crapped out. We just couldn't really figure out at the time the word engagement wasn't, wasn't a word that was in the vocabulary of a lot of these agents. But, you know, you live and you learn. You know, I've, I've owned several gyms, sold them. I mean, my 15-year lease at Drive 495 is up this May, ironically, which... I think it's, you know, with all the, you know, downside going on with COVID-19 right now, I think that's, I think from a timing standpoint, that's not a bad thing in our favor. At least we're not, you know, committed to something being in New York city. It's very expensive. I mean, rent costs me, you know, about three quarters of a million bucks a year to operate a gym. So, you know, when you're looking at numbers like, like that, you just, 15 years ago, you may make some decisions that you wouldn't make today. And you're just so I'm 43 years old tomorrow. So, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, when I started the club, I was, you know, 27, 28 years old. I'm just a different human being now. I have kids, I'm married. It's like all these things that you don't think about. So that was pretty much, and getting into the digital space. I mean, that was something that, you know, back when I was training, you know, you brought his name up, Hugh Jackman, there was no Instagram. I mean, this was 12, 13 years ago and Ryan Reynolds. I mean, I've been working with for 12 years and 
was on a um, Skype, um, sorry, FaceTime call with him and his wife, Blake today. And, you know, every day I see them right now, but you know, that's, that's pretty much the background. I mean, there's, there's a lot more to go in on, but I don't want to bore you guys with all the uh, details, but that's that pretty much sums it up. No, I love it. Now, tell us a little bit more about uh, the professional golf, because we're actually going to have a guy on the podcast soon, Mike Weir, who's a good friend of mine. He won the Masters. Uh, What's his name? Mike Weir. Oh, yeah, Mike Weir. Mike, Mike Weir actually beat my friend, Lenny Matisse, who um, I was live with on Golf Channel last Friday. So Lenny finished, I think, second to Mike um, that year. So yeah, I've been to the masters. I've seen Mike play. I mean, lefty, I mean, God, he had a, he had a great masters that year, obviously. Yeah, so. Tell us, tell us a little bit about golf. Cause it, it, it sounds like that was your initial focus. How did you switch? I mean, were you exclusively and was drive exclusively golf training or is it, or is it, you know what I mean? Yeah, no. So we, we you know, and it's a great question because when we opened, it was, it was a golf um, it was a golf and fitness training facility. I mean, I went out and I went through all the TP the Titleist performance Institute training probably 15, 16 years ago, Dr. Greg Rose, who's a mentor of mine. I mean, I remember going through a screening with him. Um, that's how long ago it was. And Dave Phillips and those guys have literally developed this, this monster. But back then it was, you know, uh, Dr. Charlie Weingroff has coined the phrase very golfish. Like every, all the training was like in five iron posture and you're using like these McKay golf grips and everything has to look like golf. Golf. So we, so we coined the phrase golfish and we would make fun of it because in time it went from, you know, golf fitness being very, say, you know, quote unquote golfish to, you know, about getting it, creating a better athlete and getting athletes more powerful and developing a foundation and getting them faster. But, you know, so yeah, it, it was interesting was when I started it before drive, I was a strength coach and I was working on my, on my brother, Joe, who um, was a professional golfer turned back amateur and went on to have one of the greatest metropolitan section careers, which is one of the best sections in the entire world. I mean, he's a very well recognized and accomplished amateur player. And we started working with him early on. And we just, around the time of like Tiger Woods be becoming a force on tour, even a little bit after that. And uh, when we went through, when I went through all the training, I, I said to myself, I said, Jesus, the New York city would love this. It's like openness exclusive club with indoor simulators and just this, this gym, the way that I want to set it up and, you know, a bar. So like they can go and we can do entertaining and do all this stuff. And it, it really worked for a while until, you know, the economy, I would, I would say it never stopped working. I just think that we found what worked better. So when you're tying up 5,000 feet, we have 15,000 people when you're tying up, you know, 5,000 feet with three indoor bays, you know, it's tough to monetize that in the same way that you're going to monetize 10 coaches in that space. You know, so we still have the golf. It's still a part of our business, but you know, it, it's, it's more of a draw. It makes some money for us, but it doesn't do nearly what, uh, the fitness portion of it does, but that was pretty much the golf history. And then now, you know, with us resigning the, uh, the, uh, the supposedly resigning the lease or we may not be, but, um, I'm pivoting the business off and now we're going to be kind of tightening it up even more. We're going to be right sizing the, the, the space. We're going to be measuring readiness and I've got a new investor and I've got a new partner to kind of manage all my books and allow me to focus on the things that I need to focus on. So that's, that's been the biggest challenge for me over the last 15 years is just wearing a lot of hats and 
finally for the first time, I, as of recent, I've got someone who, you know, really is kind of looking out for the numbers and, you know, we're sitting down, we're having our weekly meetings and I, I literally just ran off a call with him right now and my manager, because we're, we're still managing, you know, my team, I'm still paying, you know, their coaches are still working virtually and I still have my cleaning staff that I'm paying because they couldn't afford to live without it. And there's still things that we have to do. So I'm still managing that aspect of the business. Yeah. Are you, are you going to transfer to the in street training? I've seen you jump on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Holy shit. I knew that was going to come up. Now that the lease is up, are you going to move it completely onto fifth Avenue or what's no, the, a couple? I mean, I almost killed myself a few times. You know, what was so funny about that. It was the whole training on Broadway. We were literally, I'll never forget it. Me and one of my old coaches who's moved, uh, moved over to Portugal, Tiago Passos, we were looking out on Broadway one day and Broadway was dead empty. Like there was no one, there was no cars. And I was like, Oh my God. I'm like, never seen Broadway like that. Like I want to throw a get up for some stupid reason. I don't know why. I just want to like, I'm like, take a picture of me doing a get up. And he took a picture from the second floor down and it was a cool shot of me doing a get up on Broadway with no cars around. And we threw it up and we were like, ah, training on Broadway. And like the, the engagement that we got was like, you know, quintuple. It was like something nuts. And people were like, this is, this is awesome. And we were like, Hmm, like we kind of raised an eyelid to it. And it's just, it's, it's just a joke. I mean, even to this day when we do it, it's just a complete hoax, but you know, it's, I think it's our way of just showing everyone that like, you know, lighten up, like we're all, <laughs> we're all really serious about what we do. And you know, I've spent, you know, 21 years of my life trying to become the best coach and learn. And you always fail because there's always someone smarter, but I, I think, just being able to relate to others is really where I think a lot of these coaches fall short. Like they just continue to get certifications and do the things that I expect a good coach to do. Never stop doing that, but they're never putting any emphasis into like managing money or, you know, dealing with their personal skills a little bit differently or going and taking a speaker course and watching, actually watching themselves on camera when they walk into a room and watching them when they speak. And how many times during this podcast am I going to say, um, or, uh, or, you know what I'm saying? It's just things that you really have to step out of and look in to really assess and analyze. And that's kind of where I challenge a lot of these coaches now. That's interesting. So before you go on, Bobby, just as long as we're on the subject of not taking yourself too seriously. So I don't, Oh, if you know this, I do a, a lot of sword stuff. I've been a, a very high level competitor in, in Asian style fencing. And of course, <laughs> everybody, everybody that I know who knows that has sent me the video of the guy with the sword on that assault bike. And it cracks me up because the next video that I see is you training that guy. So I'm yeah. just curious, where does that come from? How did you guys... <laughs> Okay. So, um, I, I don't know if I could say the, the F word, but that, um, uh, I'm going to say it anyway, but that, but that, uh, a media company called fuck Jerry. I don't know if you guys heard of it. They got into a little bit of a, a little bit of bad marketing was, um, with that whole, uh, fire festival. And they were one of the marketing agencies involved. And I actually know the guys, I, I know Elliot, T- uh, uh, who's, you know, he's actually fuck Jerry. That's, that's him. That's his Instagram handle. And, um, <clears throat> I know him and they're really good guys and they, and I genuinely believe they did not know what the hell was going on because that was just such a cluster. But, um, the, the guy who's with the sword, his Instagram handle is a piece by guy. His name is guy. And he happens to be just a really good buddy of mine. Cause we used to collaborate a lot and he's a member of my gym, but the Jerry media floor shares my golf floor. So those guys literally, I can open the door to my golf floor and walk in and they're all like, 
you know, sitting there dealing with clients and, and they have this awesome space, but you know, those, those guys train at drive. So guy and I just sat down one day and we're like, let's start throwing around some ideas. And, um, crispy shorts, one of the other guys, his name is James. Um, his handle is actually called crispy shorts. And, um, we would just start shooting all this content on the street. Like I would roll up my sleeves and like grab like watered down jugs and just start walking down the street, like curling. I'm like stupid. Like there, there was one the other day that guy and I did where like guy was taking a selfie of himself and I thought he was taking a picture of me and I'm like sitting there flexing with, with my shirt off and I put the post up and I read, and we obviously we staged the whole thing, but I wrote like, Oh my God, I'm so embarrassed. I thought he was photographing me. <laughs> you know, it's, like, it's actually really funny. You should go back and look at that one, but like, just kind of like playing a joke on ourselves and just being like, yeah, dude, I'm shirtless right now. I look like a total Guido and we're just having fun. And some people just don't get the joke sometimes because they're like, he's married. <laughs> like, I'm like, I know my wife was the camera person holding my iPhone. <laughs> we make a total joke out of it. So it's fun. I mean, it's good that you bring it up because we're just having fun. Now, now Joe, you actually stole my question. I was going to ask the exact same thing. That's gone, that's gone viral. Like I see it on the Jim Fail Nation. Uh-huh. I see it on these comedy things. How many people take that seriously and you get messages about people think that's a real, uh, you know, a couple times I, I got a few, I think I, early on, I got a few messages like you're, you're, you're married. And I'm like, uh, you know, you just don't even respond because you, you just can't, you know, people can just screenshot stuff now and you're just done. So you don't know, but I really haven't been getting that many messages on that. No, I mean, uh, uh, I don't, yeah, right. no, I, it's, uh, my, my social is pretty clean. I'll tell you where that came from. Men's Health was interviewing me one time and they asked what happened to my bicep. And I told the story about how I fought a polar bear and it severed (laughs) my right bicep. And And so now everyone is like, oh my God, you survived a polar bear encounter. And I'm like, yeah. I can believe that out of you. So (laughs) (laughs) you said that. I'm like, really? (laughs) Yeah, but like, look who it's coming from, too, man. It's coming from you. It's like, ask Joe. People ask me all. The time. Some what, what's, what's hilarious? I back it up. So people be like, did that really happen? Like, oh, <laughs> oh yeah. But it's also like, we're talking about Bobby here. It's like, yeah. I, I wouldn't put too many things past that him in reference to that. Well, the, the details of the story are what get you. Like that polar bears are all left-handed. So he had to like circle <laughs> to the one side. <laughs> you know? Oh my but, God, that's on, great. On that note, at oh. that NSCA conference, you gave a talk. There's a couple of things that were pivotal for me about that. That's why I wanted to have you on the show. I appreciate um, it. I always think of myself as a small town kid and that I haven't done that much. And it's just the way I was raised. I'm, I'm from two parents that, that were very humble. Uh, we had one car growing up. It was like a Plymouth Sundance or a Plymouth Shadow. Um, I, didn't, I didn't get to have access to the car. I had to pay my own gas. I had to cut lawns to, to make money for the summer, put myself through school. And so I've always had this uh, blue-collar, hardworking mentality from northern Canada. And by the way, one of the things I really admire about Ryan Reynolds, he's Canadian through and through. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Canadians are really just quietly humble. And he is too. He jokes around a lot, but he's a quietly humble, really nice guy from everything. He's a simple guy. He's a simple guy. I mean, he really is one of my favorite people. And I can't even begin to tell you how good him and his wife have been to me. I mean, and I'm, I'm the first one to admit it. Like, yeah, with, with, with my following, with, with my business, I mean, God, would I be where I am today? Like, I believe I'm a very hard worker, but they were, they were a pivotal part in everything that I've done to this day. Just a really nice giving person. And that is what a Canadian is. 
So I'm at the NSCA and you were in the middle of a speech and then you said, Bobby Maximus is here. And I had a moment like, holy shit, Don Saladino knows who I am. This is fucking crazy. It was fun looking out at you because like I'm I'm speaking, I'm in the back of the room and I'm like, like as I'm on stage, I'm like, it's about time I get to meet him. I was kind of like excited over it. So, you know, yeah, but that's, that's what it is. I mean, I, I think you become fans of like people in the industry that you see that are doing things that you admire and respect. And like the number one thing for me is like, be try and become an, try and become really good at what you do. Like I'm not, I'm not pushing that aside. I don't want to downplay being smart and, and being educated and being good at what you do, but like hold yourself to a level of integrity, you know, and, and carry yourself a specific way and, and just develop a good rep, reputation. And, and, and you, and you can't win them all. I, I totally get that, but it's cool when someone comes into the room and I'm like, you know what, I've heard only great things about this person. And that's why, like when I was done, like I jumped off stage and you and I kind of ran to each other. And I think we, I think we said, let's go sit and go grab a cup of coffee and let's just BS a little bit. I think we, you and I talked for 30 minutes, you know, it was great. Yeah. And for me, that was pivotal. I don't, I don't know if you knew this at the time, I was recovering from a life threatening illness um, you mentioned I, that to me. I yeah. almost didn't show up. I had a diaper on. I didn't know if I could speak. Your your speech was the one that I made sure I was at out of all the people there. And it was it was kind of eye-opening for me. I'm like, holy shit, this is one of the best guys in the industry knows who I am. Maybe, maybe I've got something here. And then the second part of it, you gave an incredible lecture. Joe, I'll tell you right now, all the shit I tell you about social media, it was from this guy right here. Oh, I figured, but, yeah. <laughs> You gave an incredible speech on how to tag people, how to drive engagement, mm-hmm. how to respond to people, like the whole deal. Um, so I think you're one of the training leaders. What are you recommending to trainers now, people in the industry around this COVID thing? Because I'll tell you, everyone needs that lecture. You know what I mean? Especially now, because we ain't leaving our houses for a long ass time. Oh, oh, we're going to be in this for a while. And first off, thank you. Thank you for, thank you for all the good words on that. But um, yeah, I, I think right, right now, I think it just, it shows in what you're putting out. I mean, if you're looking for anything in return right, right now, I think anyone's going to lose. I think these are, these are, these are times where people need, you know, they need a hug, not, not to sound corny. It's like, let's just give away the farm and let's just take care of people and let's just put up content and, you know, and, and let's see what happens when this all, when the dust settles and we can all go back to work. But I think the biggest mistake that I find from coaches is that they're always expecting something and not, not all coaches, but some of them that come to me, they're like, Oh, you know, you, you give away a lot of free stuff. And I'm like, so like, so what? Like give away free stuff, like earn the respect of people, like you'll land business from that. And I, and I think that's a big problem with young coaches is that they might see guys like yourself, and they might see you running a podcast or you're successful or you're on the cover of men's health or, you, you know, you're, you're shooting lives with men's health and, and, and they're like, well, how did you get there? And you're saying to yourself, well, I'm still not there yet because it's just part of our mentality. The three of us are sitting here and, and we have that blue collar, you know, we got to work harder than the next guy in the room. Um, but through the whole process, I think the formula is really simple and you just have to add value to people's lives. It's like the hashtags. Yeah. You know what? Do they help? Sure. And tagging people, does it help? And collaborating? Awesome. Still hope you and I can do a collaboration together. Um, both of you, if you guys want, um, but add value to people's lives. And if you jump into social media with that formula and you're trying to build a business, you're going to be good. It's not going to take six months. You know, it might take five or six years, but you got to be doing this because you love it. Now, is it, is it too late? Joe and I talk a lot about this. We have like philosophical talks on it. And Joe and I have been around for a while. Joe uh, 
him and I are a little different ends of the spectrum. I'm a meathead that played around with some weights and, and fought in the UFC, but I've got zero education in terms of what I should. I've got an honors English degree. You want to talk Shakespeare, romantic literature, we're good, but training, Damn. you know, <laughs> self-taught. Um, Joe, on the other hand, has 3,000 certifications in everything, USA weightlifting, CrossFit, mm-hmm. the great cook stuff, like everything under the sun. But we're both more established and you're established because we've been working at it for years. Like you didn't come to the point you're at by you've been doing the social media thing for a while for people at home that ignored it. Here's where I'm going with this. People at home that just ignored it. And now they're trying to get started. Are they fucked? Like, they're not fucked. I mean, they have no, you have no choice right now, but to do it. It's like, what are we going to do right now? Are we just going to sit in our house? And like, I've been working this morning since 7am nonstop. Like literally when I say working, I mean, back to back appointments and I consider my workout an appointment. Um, I think it's a mindset. Are you going to sit here and are you going to wait for the hourglass to kind of burn itself out? Are you just waiting for time to fly by? Or are you trying to use this as an opportunity to attack? And while everyone else is sleeping, watching Netflix movies, like, are you going to be trying to, you know, figure out how to add value the the Monday, it was like five Mondays ago. I forgot what the date was. It might've been, actually, I do remember the date. It was because the March 15th was a Sunday. It's my brother's birthday. It was March 16th. That, that Monday night, Monday, March 16th, we heard that, um, we had to close our gym the next day, the next day I literally was shooting content in this room. I was literally on the phone with Perform Better. I think I was on the phone with Perform Better the day before. And I already was, I mapped out a four week, six day a week bodyweight program just to get up and start collecting emails and just start getting in touch and in touch with people. And since then I've launched two challenges because I've had so much demand for people wanting a little bit more up close with me. I didn't expect that. I'm like, I just did that because I was like, you know what? Why not? Like, let's just, let's just go with it. And let's just attack like podcasts. Absolutely. Let's do it. Free workouts with shape, muscle fitness, men's health, uh, golf channel. Let's do it. Like, let's, I want to go to bed every night. I'm literally hitting the pillow. I've been trying to, I'm getting through Ozarks right now. I just finished the last uh, episode last night, which I love, but like uh, half the time I I can't even get through an episode because I'm so exhausted. So I think it's also a mindset. Are you going to be one of these people that are going to sit here and wait for time to expire to where you can go back to your job and your life? And if you're content with that, great. I want to go back better. I want to go back in better shape. I want to go back back smarter. I want to go back with my skin looking better and my, and my, and my, and my, and my body feeling better. Cause I was able to get better sleep. Like I'm just trying, like the word is better. I'm just trying to get better. So you, you remind me a lot of a good friend of mine named Bedros Koulian. I don't know if you know who Bedros is. He just fit body. He, I know. Has got, he's got this attitude of go out and get them. And, and he can be a little hard for some people's taste, but he's pivoted his whole business plan online in 48 hours. Other people like Barry's Bootcamp or SoulCycle or Lifetime Fitness have basically said, we're putting everything on hold. We're going to wait it out. Are the, do you think that's a, I mean, a smart strategy or are we starting to see the end of like the gym box model? I don't think waiting anything out right now is smart. Um, I got on the phone with my coaches and I said, guys, I, the first thing I said, I said, guys, it's all going to be all right. Like, trust me, like we're going to get through this. It's all going to be all right. But, and I'm not going to let this place fail and we're not going to fail, but um, you guys have to treat the digital business right now as if we're never going back into a gym. And I didn't say that because I believe there's a possibility we're not going back into the gym. I just don't know. Is it four weeks? Is it eight weeks? Is it 12 weeks? None of us know. 
it's a very good possibility that suddenly like uh, uh, Andrew Cuomo can turn around in New York and say, all right, everyone, we're going to start circulating our ways back into work. And within a week, people are getting sick again. And they're like, whoops, pull the lanyard. Like we have no idea what's going to happen. So what I wanted them to, because a couple of coaches were like a little nervous and they were saying, well, I've got money to hold me off for the next three months. I'm like, nope, you got more money than that. Cause we're going to make money right, right now. So I, uh, you know, I, I don't get annoying about it. I'm not in your face. I'm just trying to make people aware that, you know, this is something that we'll probably never see again. I was talking to my 12 and my 11, I got an 11 and 12 year old. And I was like, guys, like your kids are going to be reading about this in like history class and social studies class. Like they're going to be like, this is bizarre. Like when's the last time you guys remember five weeks of just being home and no travel and, and, and on, in all honesty, you don't, none of us have to wake up with an alarm clock right now. If we do, it's because we choose to. Um, so uh, this is, this is bizarre, but I, I just want to like, let's take advantage of it. Yeah. I, uh, Joe, Joe, you were saying the other day, he can't believe that people are sticking their head in the sand. There's another yeah. guy I follow his name's Brad Lee. Uh, he runs a mm. company called Lightspeed VT. Anyway, he made a decent point about if you got $10,000 in the bank, you can let that 10,000 run out, or you could take 3000 of that 10,000 and you can spend it and go make yourself 40 because like the, the end is coming. Like at a certain point you got to close your doors. Um, it's going to be interesting to see who's less standing and who's not at the end of this whole thing and how much it changes the landscape. It's, it's crazy. I got off the phone with my landlord the other day who I'm, I'm very, I'm very sympathetic to because, you know, he's been a, you know, he's been a, a good landlord to me. I mean, we, we've had our, uh, we, we've had our disagreements in 15 years. You're going to, but, um, you know, he's got, he's got loans out also, and he's got, you know, banks that are calling him up and they're expecting, you know, X and Y from him. And, you know, you just got to have the conversation. And I, and I told him, cause we put in for one of the COVID loans and we said, listen, as soon as we get this money in, it's coming out to you. But right now our business is shut. Like we're, we're, we're trying to operate and, you know, he under, he understood, uh, we don't know. Like I, what, what if we don't get back to work till June, July? I mean, then you're going into the two slowest months of the year. So you're trying to almost rebuild a business in the two slowest months of the year. You don't know. So I'm just trying to prepare for it. I'm, I'm acting as if my club is not opening. And I think that's, I think we all kind of have to act like that unless you have a, unless you're working for a big company and they're able to pay you and you're able to work remotely. But if you are in the training business, you need to start pursuing this as if it's your first day on the floor and you're picking up clients and you got to figure out a different way to do it. And in all honesty, it's really the same way. I mean, it's fine. You're not in front of them, but we got this and we have social media, which we can deliver that message and just be that, be that coach that's relentless and be that coach that's able to deliver that message and trying to add value to people's lives. And then in your DM box, it'll start hitting you. Oh, so you do you do training or mm-hmm. do you have, do you have a platform or and it may, it, there's all these platforms out there. There's a company I'm a partner in called playbook. It's like, great. You can download, you know, this app and, and, and utilize a, a program written by, you know, one of however many coaches, but I mean, the platform's beautiful and people can train now in their houses. And you know, that, that was somebody, that was to my next point. So many people were, were panicked about not having you know access to weights. This is just forcing people to train differently. I see you all the body weight work that you, that you do, Bobby. And, uh, 
you know, I, I think that's also getting people out of their comfort zone and it's saying, all right, well, we got to think a little bit differently. Yeah. There's some positive out of this. Wow. My stability's improving. Wow. You know, my body's feeling a little bit better. Wow. You know what? I never really worked off of one leg that much, or I never did a lot of unilateral work that much. I'm forcing to do it right now because I don't have weights that are as heavy. And, and then suddenly you start finding out about, about your body. So I think there's a lot of positive to it also. Yeah. That's interesting. I think too, like, like what's the cost, you know what I mean? Like what's the cost of doing nothing and that cost is everything because if this goes on and on, you're out of money, you're done, you're out of the game. But what's the cost of going out there and starting to create content and getting that engagement and talking to people and even telling them for free, hey, you want to work out? I'm doing a live workout later, jump on, whatever. It costs me nothing but time, which guess what my number one like largest asset is right now. It's time. So I, mean, I couldn't agree with you anymore. I mean, we, we all complained about it in the past. All the, all the coaches that would run up to you, Joe or Bobby, and they'd say, no, I want to, I want to start a digital business and you know, but I don't have time and I don't have time to do social media. Well, you have it now. And that's, and, and Bobby, you're right. I'm curious to see who's going to come out of this stronger. You know, who's like, who's it with, like, is the cream going to rise here? And I believe the answer is yes. Like Pedros, I mean, I've heard good things about him. I mean, he sounds like a very smart guy. Someone like that's turning around and looking at this. And it sounds, it may sound terrible to most, but there's opportunity out there. Like you've got to, you know, you know, you got to figure out a way to survive, but you also got to figure out a way to add value. And that's what business does. I mean, every business out there, pretty much, it adds some sort of value, you know, like Apple, they're, 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 they're selling you technology. There's value in that. Or a restaurant, they're selling you food. There's, there's value in that. We need food, but there's, there, there's enjoyment. You know, so there's, there's value. So that's, it's just a word that a lot of people just don't think about. Like, just give people value right now. The money will come. Do you think that people that have been through hardships are going to be better adapted to this? You talked about financial crisis stuff in 2007, 2008. I can't remember who it was. I heard a restaurateur talking about this the other day. Um, and he was talking about how, well, I started my restaurant during the big financial crisis and depression. I'm, I'm a bit yeah. good. Um, you, listen, I'm, you, you fought professionally, right? I mean, I'm sure you've taken some bad shots and I'm sure you maybe, maybe you've lost a couple fights. I'm not sure if you have though. I've never asked you that question, but I'm, I'm sure after every fight, you came out of that, whether it went well for you or not, you definitely came out stronger and, and less, less fearful, um, more resilient, maybe looking at mistakes that you made and saying to yourself, shit, you know what? I didn't, I, I, I got sloppy when he, when he, when he put me into the corner, you know, just little, little things that are just so simple for, for you to understand. And most people not, I think it's the same thing here. Every, every time, you know, I lost money or I, I threw myself against the wall. I'm sorry. Something threw me against the wall. I'll never forget every time I had those moments of like, Oh my God, how am I going to make it through this? You know, you find a way. And, and, and like your, your creative juices start flowing and, and you just start thinking differently and collaborating more. And I, I think that's a problem with some people. I think there's a, there's a word called hunger. And I think, you know, you might see some influencers with several million followers that are just, you know, they're putting out stuff, but they're not hungry. And I think there, there's some people out there that are incredibly successful that just don't lose that hunger because it's just in their blood. So I, you know, I think right now it's like, it's really difficult to force someone to water, you know, force a horse to water. Like you, you've got to be hungry. And if you're not hungry right now, then just watch Netflix. Fine by me. <laughs> it's, you know, we, uh, we were talking, Joe, you were saying that you were on a group call with some people that were saying they were bored the other day. And it's like, you don't, you don't have time to be bored. 
bored. Like, yeah. yeah, everything you, you, you like, what do you want to work towards here? And it's funny how people are, I mean, it's, if you look at the use of people's time, they're watching the Tiger King and they're watching. I, 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 I did watch that though. That was pretty, that was pretty spectacular. I got to I, I, I just, I just finished it this morning while doing my morning cardio. So yeah, I'm with you. And, then, and then Don, have you been victimized, entertained, uh, shocked and amused by quarantine radio yet? I haven't heard this yet. I'm sorry. Okay. So you know who Tory Lanez is? He's a singer. Um, uh, I think I do. I'm not exactly really sure. Now I'm going to give you some numbers. When LeBron James goes live, he gets like 60,000 people. He did. He gets like 50,000. Um, Oprah gets like 60,000. Barack Obama gets like 30,000. Tory Lane is getting between 300,000 and half a million. Jesus. And what he's doing with his time is he goes on the live and he has a split screen and girls come on and he adds them in and they twerk on camera and he pays the money through the Venmo. Amazing. <laughs> that's, that's Amazing. Yeah, but that's, but it's, it's, you know what, but people, it's, it's crazy. Like this is entertainment. Like this, this, this guy is somewhat of a marketing genius. I mean, who knows well, if you even thought that this is unbelievable. I think it's crazy. I'm going to oh, no. <laughs> The best part of it is, and, and here's what I think. I want to learn from the guy because he just went independent from his record label and he wow. released his first album on his own. And now it's, it's, I want to say it's the number one downloaded stream thing of wow. all time on Spotify. And it's wow. all fueled by quarantine radio. So just, oh yeah, if you want to be entertained, the best part of it all is he does color commentary through the whole thing. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I definitely wouldn't say that I'm bored right, right now. I mean, but finishing the night with a little entertainment like that isn't the worst thing in the world. So I might have to check it out. Well, you might, you might, I, I want to learn from, I want to hire Tory Lanez. Is, is, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and, and the reason I wanted to tell that story too, because one of the things I love about you is the humor in your brand. You talked about the dude with the sword, the training on Broadway, uh, the humanity stuff. Was there ever a point you were scared that would diminish your credibility as a trainer? Yeah. You know, it was, it was funny early on when it happened. Um, I, I've got a couple of coaches around me, um, a couple of PTs. And we, and we had some, we had some discussion about it cause I've taken my education very seriously. And, um, you know, I, I think at first people were questioning it, like what's going on with Don? Why is he, why is he doing this stuff? And I think my, my team didn't really know how to answer it. And then after a while I had to talk with them, like, guys, like, let's line up. Like we're, we're just having fun. And then, you know, people come to you now and they just laugh about it. If someone's going to, you know, say, Oh, you know, Don's devaluing his brand. Like, nah, they're probably wrong about that. <laughs> yeah. I know a little bit more about building a brand than, than a lot of these other coaches anyway. So not to sound conceited, but you know, I, I think it, I think it's fine when you're developing a brand to, to show your true side and, you know, a big side of what I do is just, you know, you gotta have a good time and you gotta have that laugh. You gotta have that smile during the, uh, the whole thing. I mean, we can't be sitting here, you know, talking about movement screenings every second and, you know, talking about the SFMA and, and, making everything about angles and, and all serious, like no one's going to want to come. You're not going to run your business. Um, one of the, I mean, one of the, Oh my God, I'll never forget this. A lesson that, Oh God, you know, I'm, I'm going to say his name, Calvin Klein. I used to work with Calvin Klein years ago and we, and we got along great, but I remember when he came into me early on, 
you know, I, I ran him through a screen. I had my PTs look at him. We were all prepped, ready to go, treating him like a normal client. And he looks at me and he's like, listen, man, he's like, you, you come highly recommended from stone. So I said, thank you. He said, um, and I know the route that you're, I could tell right now the route that you want to put me on, but I could tell you if, if we're in here right now doing breathing and stretching for 40 minutes, I'm just gonna, I'm going to go nuts. And I said, no, I said, that's not how I do. I'm like, I, I like to get after it. I like to train hard. I said, but I'll make you a deal. Get in five minutes, throw, do your foam rolling. We'll spend 10, 12 minutes, you know, maybe on a bad day, 15 minutes top going through our dynamic warm up, And then the rest of the session, we can get our pump on, man. Trust me, we're gonna have a good time. And he said, fine. And we had a great relationship for, you know, two, 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 two and a half years. I think the lesson there was sometimes you got to deviate off the plan. Now at, at 70 years old, did the guy need maybe more mobility and did he maybe need to work on some things and work around? Yeah. We're working around pain. Listen, he had a, he, he had a, he had a goal in mind, you know, is, is golf good for the body? Is MMA good for the body? Like, you know, we were like, there's a certain way he wanted to look and he, there was a certain way he wanted to train that made him happy. So as a coach, it was my job to help him be able to train that way and minimize injury and minimize pain. And we, and we did it. And as we were training, the more we trained, the, the better he felt. Um, if, you know, Greg Cook walked through and they said, Greg, would you, would you train Calvin Klein like this, the way Don's training him right now? Maybe he wouldn't, but he also doesn't know all the details of why I'm training him that way. And I can't tell you how many coaches, the most respected coaches that I know, smartest coaches that I know, I've walked into sessions and I always, I never look at them training a session and say, why is he doing that? I always say, there's a reason why he is doing that. There is, there's a reason why that he is training this, this guy this way. There's a reason why that such and such as Hollywood star has, has done nothing but bike and bench press today. And this guy trains this, this individual. He's one of the smartest coaches I know. And then I went up to him after. I said, just curious why. And he says, that's all he wanted to do. <laughs> that's all he wanted to do. I've worked with the guy for five years. He's stubborn as hell. And I love him, but it's all he wanted to do. Some days I can get him to do stuff that he needs to do. And other days it's bench and it's this. And I pick my battles. And it's, it's not that he's giving in. It's that he's trying to keep him entertained because that's a hell of a lot better than him sitting home on the couch and being discouraged. I think that's, and, a, that's a really good point right there because a big part of the the relationship with a coach and, a, and an athlete, a coach and a client is it does need to be entertaining. If it's not entertaining, you're never going to get that engagement. If they're bored, like you said, they're done. hundred percent. I mean, I, I always say, people ask me like, Don, when do you switch up programs? I'm like, there's, there's probably two or three times I switch up a program. One would be um, if, if it gets boring. So if I'm doing a program on myself and I'm like eight weeks in or 12 weeks in or four weeks in, and I'm like, you know, I just don't want to do this anymore. I'm just not, I'm not entertained. I switch off on it because why do I have to stay on it? Like am I entering in a power beat powerlifting me? No. Am I training for baseball anymore? No. Like I'm training to be able to take my shirt off and get on the cover of muscle and fitness and be able to run through a wall. That's what I train for, you know? So like that's one, two, when I feel like I'm not getting any stronger or I feel like that my progress is starting to dip. So I, I like, no matter what my sessions are, like I, even to this day, like I'll throw like here, I'll throw all my workouts down on like a simple yellow, you know, notebook that I just, I, I scribble it on and I look week to week on what I'm, what I'm doing. So I can, I'm doing periodization or I can look at what I did the week before and I'll make little notes. It's just the way I like doing things. When I see things start to level off, it's time to move on. So board and, you know, basically that tip of strength, what would it, what would a third one be? I mean, a third one would be, uh, obviously injury. If that ever happens, knock on wood, um, I've been pretty healthy unless, you know, if I'm falling off a flagpole or something like that. So it's, you know, it's, uh, one of those things, then you have to make an adjustment also, but all in all, it's like, <clears throat> keep it fun. 
one thing I've always wanted to ask is I remember watching <clears throat> uh, the Amity Horrorville and it was Casual. Brian Reynolds and it was a remake of it. And he took his shirt off and I was like, fuck that guy's got some shit under the hood. He's a fit dude. Oh, and Hugh Jackman is too. Like they are, there are some people in Hollywood that I think are pretenders like that, but I, those guys have some real horsepower. Is that, is that all you or do those guys just work their ass off? Like no, that? man, they, they work their, they, they work their ass off. Listen, I, any coach that wants to sit there and take all the credit, they're all full of shit. I mean, it's like, you know what, was, was I able to steer them in, in, in a good direction? Ryan and I have a great, I mean, Hugh, I haven't seen, actually, I'm, I saw Hugh, I think it was like two Christmases ago, we were out at dinner with a group of people and we ended up having dinner together. And, um, but he moved and, you know, invested in a different gym and, but he's doing great, obviously. But, um, you know, Ryan, I mean, Ryan, I was just in Atlanta with him before all this stuff went down and, you know, we're training together and we're staying with a lot of the basics and then out of nowhere, I'm like, listen, throw this in your warm-up. Why, you, why don't you, you know, I think you need to start incorporating more of this. I'm looking at how you, how you move. And he's like, ah, so simple, so easy. And it's just, it's just a reminder. Sometimes we don't always have to like recreate the wheel here. We have to just like keep an eye on the individual and just see how their body's doing. And if they're enjoying it and their body's functioning well, like we don't always have to throw things at them. Like I, I'm always, I always want to get people better, but I also need to understand that there's like, someone's going in there mentally they are good and they're like god damn like i feel good like that that workout like why are you gonna turn around and piss in their cheerios and say well you know you should have done this instead like it's like come on man joe you know what i'm talking about it's like everyone wants to be a hero man like let them let them let them bask in it ryan is an animal i saw him train this morning you know i'm working with blake you know over you know we work together almost every day and he's in there working with us and the three of us have a great relationship and I'm watching him in the background. And he's just like, it's, it's business, man. He gets in there, he hits his hour. He, he does his warm up. He does his foam rolling. He does what he needs to do. And you know, he's done in that arrow and he's crushing the Versa climber and doing what he does at the end. And you know, he's just, he's, he's got a good formula, but you know, we're all getting older, man. We're all in our forties now. So he, but I'd like to believe that his body, you know, I'd like to believe that his physique is, is, is in my opinion, I think it's improving. Like what do you look like in Deadpool too? Um, and how he evolved even nutritionally was something that I was really proud of. Um, that just, even if it was giving that one little ounce of advice, like, did that make him who he was? Absolutely not. But, you know, did it help him make him get a little bit happier? And when I met him, he was doing a lot of low carb. And now he understands the importance of carbohydrates. And I try to explain to him, like, food is fuel. Let's continue to eat. Like, you're not going to get heavier. You're going to get leaner. And he trusts that process. So, yeah, it, it's really fun. It's really a lot of fun. Um, to be able to watch clients that you work with get on that screen, like John Krasinski and Emily Blunt. Like I just went to their premiere of a, of a quiet place before they had a canceled launch to the movie and just being in the crowd with your family and watching that and watching, you know, all the hard work that they've done. I mean, that's really special. You know, you gave the perfect answer. Cause one thing I wanted to talk to you about was you obviously trained with some of the best people in the world. Mm -hmm. It drove me nuts this year at the Super Bowl with JLo because a 50-year-old J-Lo looks phenomenal. And then you wow. have all these, haters, all these haters out there are like, well, she's only fit because she has money. And I'm like, do you have any idea how fucking hard she has to work to look God. like that? She hasn't had a gram of sugar since 1987. <laughs> Bobby, like, Bobby, I couldn't agree with you anymore. <laughs> you know? everyone, everyone asks me, they say, Is, what's it like training a celebrity? I said, you know what? It's probably more difficult than training a normal 
everyday person. And I'm going to tell you why they work when they're shooting movies, they're working 15, 16 hour days. They are, they are always changing job sites that the, the, their, their work call times are always changing. They've got to be away from their family for five, six months. Like it's not like they, they get to wake up and go to Goldman Sachs every day and they have to be at their desk at eight 30, you know, and they have like the, you know, the occasional business trip. Like it's, it's tough. They have families. They still have the same tissue underneath, the, you know, in their with skin and they still have organs. They're the same thing. They, they just, you know, I, I personally think that their work schedules are, are a little bit more difficult. Like I saw Blake when she was pregnant years ago, have working while she was pregnant. And I was like, wow, like this is like, I was fascinated and then getting in for workouts. I was fascinated by it, by that. And you know, so for, for me, I have a lot of, all the people that I've worked with, I have a tremendous amount of respect for because they're just such hardworking people, but even more importantly, they're, they're just such nice people. I've just, I, I've become really lucky. Like, I gotta be honest, like all of them I've worked with, they, they've just, they've treated me just in, in such an incredible fashion and they've just taken such great care of me and uh, you, know, you develop friendships with them. But we, you know, we all understand that we're there to do a job and, and um, I never, I think it's my ego where I never want to let them down. Yeah, I'm just so glad to hear them give the credit, hear you give them the credit they deserve. Because the other one that comes up, I had a person say to me not long ago, well, The Rock must be on some secret program. And I'm like, it has nothing to do with the fact that that motherfucker's up at 4 a.m. every day. Dude, working he's, out he's relentless. With him on his own dollar everywhere he goes. That has nothing to do with it. It's that he has some secret program. Well, yeah, but that's what... Yeah, people ahead, Joe, sorry. Oh, sorry. Uh, people no, cannot fathom like what hard work is really like. Like they start thinking about like, well, what must it be like to work out like that and to live that schedule? That's impossible. So obviously he's taking drugs because drugs like that. In your family, right. Listen, I, I think it gets back into the, into the whole social media conversation of like, you know, business right now, virtually, like you, you have to love it. Like you have to love doing this stuff right, right now. You have to be passionate about helping people. I, I met Dwayne Johnson. He's worked out of my gym a couple of times. Like I was just down in Atlanta. I met, you know, I, I met him in person for the first time and I like, he ran over to me and he's like, Don, thank you so much. And we sat there for like, five, 10 minutes having a conversation. And the guy was a normal guy and he was just so engaging. And you, and you realize you're like, all right, this is why he is who he is. Cause he's actually having a conversation with you. And he's not looking at the person at the end of the room. Like, hold on, I'll be, I'll be right there. Like he, he puts everything on hold and he talks to just you. And I've seen that happen to him on several occasions. It's happened in my club with him and, and, uh, several trainers of, 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 of mine. And they were, they were obviously very, very excited, but you know, these guys have a similar, a similar formula. Like they all like you're talking about Hugh Jackman. You're talking about Ryan. These people, they like John Krasinski. Oh my God. Like workhorse workhorses. These Emily Blunt, like they're all Blake. Like they're all when they, when it's work mode, they're not sitting there thinking about dinner. Like they're diving in, um, you know, just trying to do the best that they, cause they, cause they're passionate about it. And, and that's what I think that's one of the biggest ingredients. So clearly you're cut from the same cloth. You're up at that earlier than people should be up working your ass off. The day after the gym shuts down, you're, you're doing everything you can. What's next for you? Like you've done, you, out of any, I, I want to say this because Joe and I were talking about it. anyone in the industry who has a career path, we want to follow You're one of those oh, people. Thank you guys. Thank you guys. No, I appreciate you got a club in, in New York city. You're, you're recognized, but you're also legit. Like you've got, you're fit. 
You've got a huge level of education. What's next for you? Uh, just, uh, you know, I'm keeping my foot on the gas. You know, I, I think it's just, like I said, the word I used before was better. It's just, I want to do everything better. Like I've got a live at three 30 today. I got another podcast at four. I got a meeting with muscle and fitness at five. Um, and I'm going to wake up and I'm going to do it all over again. And I'm going to just keep trying to give myself and my, and my business and my family just more opportunity. And I think that's all I can do. And it's just taking care of people, treating them well and collaborating with the right people and surrounding yourselves with the right people. When you guys asked me to come on, I was like, I didn't have to think about it. I was like, hell yeah, it's about time you asked me, you know, it's like one of those things. So, uh, you know, I, I, again, I really appreciate it. And you know, what's next for me, you know, I've got some work to do with my brick and mortar. I got to figure that out in the next couple of months. And then once we get, you know, that pivot and we start going in that direction, then I have a whole new chapter in my, in my fitness career. I feel like I'm going to be diving into and I'm, I'm pretty pumped about it. Love it. Under underneath it all, you're a pretty normal dude. Like you're mm-hmm. down to earth. I could have you over at my house. So we have a barbecue. Let's do it. <laughs> what, would, what would shake you up? And and to give you context to this, if Hulk Hogan showed up at my door and knocked on it, asked me to train him, I would probably weep tears of joy. I would be like a little girl at a Backstreet Boys concert. What would what would do that to you? Like in terms of the industry? Oh man, you know what? It's tough because I, I've worked with a lot. Of, I, I don't have a good answer for this because I've worked with a lot of the people. I lead these individuals and, you know, I've just, you develop good relationships with them. I mean, what I mean, probably, I mean, listen, Arnold. I mean, yeah, I got to throw Arnold. I mean, I don't, I don't care if he's 70 years old right now or not. I mean, you know, I'd love to go like have a drink with him or, you know, catch a workout with him and just, just, just kind of listen, you know, just, just listen and not even like about anything educational, just listen to some stories. You know, I want to hear a lot about him and Franco when they kind of were nobodies in the bodybuilding world and they were, you know, laying, you know, uh, concrete. And I'd want to hear a lot of those stories that, you know, I've heard so much about because I'm a fan, you, you, you know, still like, you know, you think about pumping iron in those movies and, and that whole era. And that really is what kind of paved the way for a lot of us. And, um, yeah, I would definitely say Arnold showed up right, right now. Actually, I, I did meet Arnold. I met him, uh, unfortunately the editor in chief of muscle and fitness, Sean Perrine passed away two years ago and him and Sean were really good friends. So when I was at, you know, they, they were having a little kind of, uh, uh service to uh, honor him. Uh, you know, I, I turned around and he, Arnold's was literally right on my shoulder and we shook each other's hand and we just started, we had a quick little conversation and it was like, you know, obviously you're not going to be sitting there totally different environment, but you know, it's just, again, seem like a normal guy, but it's Arnold Schwarzenegger. So I think he'd be the guy. What, uh, what position do you play in baseball? In college, I was right field. So, um, I was really a first baseman in high school pitcher in high school, and then kind of just screwed my arm up a little bit. And then in college, I, I had a, had a good arm. So the coach was like, you're, you're going to the outfield. So he put me in a right field and started my first game my sophomore year first first game sophomore year started and then started for the next three years and was was a two-year captain over there just had a really good experience at school and really enjoyed it but when I, when I graduated there was like this loss i was like oh my god what the hell am i gonna do am i gonna be a cop am i gonna be an fbi agent because i was thinking like i need the gym what job can i do where i'm always in the gym and i remember having a conversation with my mom and she was just like there's these personal trainers now and they're getting paid to like they're making money to, to personal train <laughs> and i'm like yeah i know i heard about that but they like they make like no money and she's like what are you worried about money like you're you've been pretty good at everything you've done like just go 
go do, go be you, just go do the thing. And I remember the second I heard that the next day, I remember throwing on like a suit, <laughs> like driving into the city with like my resume and literally, you know, I'm 21 years old. I didn't know the city that well then. So I'm just driving uptown, downtown, east and west and literally like pulling into parking garages. I can't even tell you what I spent in parking that day, but, and I, and I had no money, but literally pulling into parking garages, just walking into like, Hey, I'm Don Saladino, the, you know, the, like, walking in Equinox, New York sport club, crunch, uh, Reebok sport club, and, you know, getting hired at a, you know, a handful of them. And then that night, you know, I made my decision and next thing you know, next day it was like, or like a couple days later, it was five 30 AM parking special working all day, you know, till the club closes. And it was that for about a year. So man, this was cleaning up weights. You know, I was cleaning up weights, you know, at, at 21 years old, this is like, and I was excited about it. This is what people forget. It wasn't above me. I was excited about it. I was excited to be in an environment where I was, I was wearing a shirt that represented colors. I was excited to be in an environment where people were asking me for help like that. And that was what it, what it was. And, and that was, that was my driving force. Still is. Love hearing that. Are you still a big baseball fan? Oh, hell yeah. My son right now wants to have catch right now. I have a catch right now. I got another, uh, I got a live, I got to do it at three 30. So when I jump off of this, I might run outside with him for 10 minutes and throw a ball around. Uh, but he's a, he's a big fan. Him and I are bummed out that the season's postponed right now, but, uh, we're, we're big time Met fans, our family. And, uh, he, he loves the game and he's playing a lot. He's starting to get pretty good. So it's been fun for me to watch him kind of develop. So. Well, you just answered my last question. It was Mets or Yankees. Oh, baby. I like that random <laughs> question. But so, so would that be fair to say that you also like the New York Jets? No, I'm a Giant fan. Which no, you're, that, I know, not- I know, I know, I I, I know. You're 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 absolutely. I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why. So I became a Met fan, a big Met fan, in probably '84, '85 when Doc and Daryl, and I was probably six, seven years old then, and I knew what the hell was going on. I was I was born in '77, so I'd say probably '85. You know, right around that Doc and Daryl when they came to the organization. And then I saw them win the the World Series in '86, which I remember literally every pitch of of all seven games against the Red Sox. And then, um, I think it was that next year or, or it was, it was that, it was that next year, uh, the New York giants won the Super Bowl. So I, I think it was just kind of like bandwagon pretty much. I, I think you, you know, you were, you were a Met fan, you, you were watching winning. And then next thing you know, like the giants are in the Super Bowl and you're watching the giants play and you just become a fan at that age. And that's why, that's why I became a giant fan. Yeah, because you're breaking all the rules. I thought it was it was Mets and Jets and Yankees and Giants, and it yes. was you know, no. crossing lines. And I'm an Islander fan, so that's that's not against the rules because you know New York New York Islanders. But uh, be easier to like the Rangers because of Penn Station. I mean, it's so perfect. If you haven't been, I don't know if you guys have been to Madison Square Garden, have you? I haven't. No. Oh, okay. So when you go to New York, you got to take a trip to the Garden. But Penn Station, which is the the um, the train station that I come from my town, which is Cold Spring Harbor, 52 minutes straight into this, you know, underground tunnel and you walk it out and you could be in your seats at MSG in three minutes. You don't have to leave the building. It literally goes in the building. So the second I, I've left games with like my train about to leave literally three minutes and I'm, I'm walking onto the train. That's how close it is. So it'd be easier to like the uh, Rangers, but I'm a, I'm a diehard Islander fan. Good, good. And, and, and one more. Yes. I don't know if you know this. Uh, my Italian grandmother, my Nona, had a big hand in raising me. When 
When was the last time you were beaten with a rosary? Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> My mom is she, so yes, we still we 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 are serious about the church over here. So my mom wouldn't beat me with a rosary. Um, you know, I would get the wet towel, you know, little the little crack, you know, that there or sometimes I'd be running up the stairs and I'd catch up, you know, a set of car keys in the back of the head, but it was never anything too major. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I mean, this, awesome. this has been a blast. Thank you so, so much. much. Yeah, yeah, thank you, really. Guys, this is great. And uh, it's it's great chat with you. Thank you. All right, boys. Because you're the last of a dying breed.